Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is one of my off-season specials. So what I'm going to be doing is doing a couple of these specials where I rank some of the positions or different things like that. Uh, This particular one is going to be me ranking quarterbacks. Um, So for those of you all who are new to the show, I'll just give you a quick rundown. Uh, First off, the easiest place to follow me for football-related content is on Twitter. That's at CJFlorida9. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out, and the number nine. Uh, this is the end portion of season two of the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. Um, we'll be starting season three, including the full complement of shows, Weekside Wednesdays, where we talk about topics in the NFL and also in college football, depending on what goes on that week. Turf Talk Thursdays, where I'll be going over every NFL game that's on the slate, giving you keys to victory, some positives and negatives for the team as far as that matchup, as well as uh, the betting odds on it, and just give you some confidence scores around it. Fantasy Football Fridays, pretty straightforward. That's where fantasy football is assessed, giving rankings weekly by position, as well as usually some daily fantasy lineups. So, and also, sorry about that. Make Good Mondays, where I'll be making good on that prior Thursday's assessments, because if I'm going to suggest to any level that you you know, bet on a game with some confidence behind it, then I need to atone for that, especially if I don't do well. That way you can kind of keep up with me, even though I'm pretty sure if you're using my stuff and you're not getting it right or you're not winning, you'll know. But at least I'm going to make good and make sure that people are aware that I'm keeping a running tab of uh, how successful I am on those things. So that'll be in season three, which will be via, you can see via YouTube in season three, something that'll be a new component to the show. And that's why this is season two's uh, final portion of it. Just some off season stuff so I can get that voice back out there and start talking. So that was a lot of talking. What I want to do is actually go off topic for a second, just because it's my show. I can do what I want to. I always talk about the NFL. Sometimes I talk about college football. I just want to give a quick blurb into the NBA Finals and just kind of an overview because it ties to sports tie to each other. It ties to how I assess and believe in football. The NBA Finals are going on right now. It's 1-1. I'm recording this on uh, Tuesday, June 6th. And we have the Denver Nuggets and the Miami uh, Heat in air tie 1-1 in the series. Again, reason it ties to it is just the two teams that are playing in this particular NBA Finals are the two best teams in the NBA. Now, that sounds counterintuitive. That sounds intuitive, right? Usually, the two best teams in something make it to the championship. This past year, the two best teams were the Eagles and the Chiefs. They made it to the championship. But you have a one seed playing an eight seed. Now, how can they be the two best teams? There's different ways to gauge a team and what is a good team. Uh, it's kind of like the uh, the MVP trophy versus the MOP. You can have the most outstanding player on the court, Caleb Martin, in the Eastern Conference Finals, but the most valuable player on that team was clearly not Caleb Martin. That team fed on Jimmy Butler, who was the actual MVP. Same thing here. The most outstanding team this year was the Denver Nuggets. They just were built and well-constructed. They were one of the few teams that had more of a traditional one through five uh, at each position, where they had two traditional guards. They had a traditional small forward, if you think back to that model from the late 80s and early 90s in Michael Porter. You know, taller guy 
who probably plays quote-unquote stretch forward now. You have Aaron Gordon, who would be more of a power forward, having a mid-range to inside game to some extent, and then a more traditional post-up big in Nikola Jokic with new school quote-unquote big man skill sets. Okay? So that's one version of the best team. The other one is the team that in adverse situations for some reason believes enough in each other to play well. That's for me, the more true best team. And that's the Miami Heat. Now, granted, they were the number one seed last year, which people can like conveniently forget with a lot of the same cast of characters. They were the eighth seed this year because they had some struggles early in the season, ended up with the eighth seed. And they could have easily been out of the, the NBA playoffs this year. Heck, I was visiting uh, one of my homeboys and said, I'm wondering, because they were struggling, they just lost that first playing game. I'm like, I'm wondering if the Jimmy Butler thing is over and this heat culture thing. I actually said that because I didn't know. And then they won that game against Chicago and then the rest is history. Now they're in the NBA Finals. This team has played with a lot of confidence in each other. Comfort. That's what a team does because every player who's in the NBA for, <laughs> some of y'all might not agree, they're all uber talented basketball players. Even if they're not, the cleanest crossover guy or the guy who has the best looking jump shot. These dudes are in the NBA for a damn reason. And it's not as, it's not like the seventies or eighties where you could just be tall. Now you have to have a skill. So I just want to bring that up because I think people were missing the boat on this. Yes. Denver should win this series fairly easily because they are the more talented team and they play good team football. Uh, Oh, sorry about that. Good team basketball, but Miami while they're quote-unquote less talented, they play some of the best team basketball and have some of the best team belief I've seen in an NBA roster in probably a decade. Like, they're in that early Golden State where it seemed like everyone who played on that team believed in each other back in, like, that 2015-16 run before Durant got there. Anyway, the reason I just wanted to bring that up is basically because it relates to this quarterback topic. Again, you don't need to have the most talented person be the best of something. You need a guy that's going to fit into what you want to do. That's why some quarterbacks are, have better stats, et cetera, than others, because their skill set is accepted by a coach. They fit into an environment and they do well. So I said, I'm doing quarterback rankings and I'm going to do it where I rank each of the starting or purported starters for a team. So Example, Anthony Richardson will be considered a starter because even if he doesn't start the first game, he is their eventual starter probably earlier in the season than people think. Um, So I'm ranking each of the starters from the one I want least to the one I want most for a general team. I don't want to put them on the worst team in the league. Um, I don't want to put them on the the quote-unquote best team. I want just a normal complement team. Let's say I had uh, the New Orleans Saints. I'm a Saints fan for those who don't know, but New Orleans is not a bad team, but they're not a great team. They're kind of a goodish team, maybe like 15th to 12th best team as an overall roster in the NFL. Let's say agnostic of the scheme that's being run as well. You know, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh Josh Allen, Justin Fields, even Daniel Jones can run a scheme that, you know, you wouldn't have being run by Aaron Rodgers or someone who's more of a 
a sturdy Jimmy Garoppolo. You wouldn't have him running a run-based scheme where there's quarterback dive in the package, right? It's not even that. Agnostic to all that stuff, it's basically just, if I put this quarterback with everything they've shown, their whole situation being judged, by the way, into the quarterback chair for my team to start 2023 and finish out the season, these are the guys that I want in order, okay? So that's the criteria. I have to consider everything, which some guys have, uh, they're a little older than some people, so they might miss some games. Some guys have consistent injury concerns, so I have to take that into consideration. Some guys, we don't know if they're the same player they used to be because they've had off-the-field issues. So there's a lot of factors that come in. I'm considering everything I know as of today, what guys would I want in order going from least to most in the NFL to be my starting quarterback. Like I said, I'm doing every starter or purported starter for each team, and I'm also doing the eight backups in that same reverse order. So what I'm going to do is those eight backups today and then the last two starters, so number 32 and 31. All right, so starting with the number eight starter, or your number eight backup, excuse me, that I want. The eighth best backup for my team in the NFL will be Gardner Menchu. Gardner Menchu is a guy who is actually started in, in NFL games. That's that's the start point, right? It makes it a lot easier to transition if you're used to the normal cadence. You're used to actually running uh, the, the practice as a starter. You're used to game days, things like that. It does make it a lot easier. Now, he's limited physically. Uh, doesn't have that arm strength that a lot of starting quarterbacks uh, end up having. Even the quote-unquote weaker arm guys, he has nowhere near their arm strength. Like a Joe Burrow is not known for a strong arm, but his arm is much stronger than Gardner Minshew. Um, so, and Gardner Minshew has uh, got a little sauce to him with how he handles things. He's just, he has proven that he is the quintessential backup quarterback in the NFL. So I would use Gardner Minshew as my eighth best backup in the NFL for my team. Number seven is Will Levis. Now say what you want to. Again, Ryan Tannehill is the starter here, which is why Levis is one of the backups. Will Levis is a talented guy. He has a big arm, big physical guy, and he's got a level of toughness to him. You got to give him credit for that. Now he does have some inconsistencies in his game and also some some of the decision-making just is mind-boggling and maybe that'll change in the NFL, but I've seen him play zero games in the NFL. I have seen him in Kentucky, and I'm using that as the criteria. Not any of the injury concerns, because I think that some of them were just one thing happened, then something else happened, and then something else happened, and they all nagged him all season. I think he'll be healthy. The thing is, I need to see if that decision-making is him being King Hero Ball, or if it's just what he thought he had to do because he thought he wasn't on a team that was of the caliber of one he's going to play on in the NFL. So that's why he's my number seven guy. And by the way, he said something on an interview uh, that I did not like. For those of you all who are familiar with Will Levis and his quirks, you know, he's the guy who puts mayonnaise in his uh, coffee and he eats the bananas or eats bananas with the peel on. I actually gave him a thumbs up on the, okay, hey, do you, bruh, right? Some people march to a different drum than some other people. And then in the interview, he's like, oh, I just did that, you know, just because it wasn't something that I actually do. I actually don't drink my coffee like that. I actually don't uh, eat bananas like that. I just said it. That made me dislike him. Because if you're doing it for attention and for clicks or whatever, that's that's fake. 
It's inauthentic. And what that does for me is it makes me think that you could be inauthentic. So maybe not like, I didn't like that. Probably a nice enough guy, but that I didn't get down with. I, I don't like artificial. I don't like fake. And I don't like people who just try to call attention to themselves just because. All right, moving on to the number six back of quarterback. The sixth best, in my opinion, for the team that I would like to have. Teddy Bridgewater. It's unfortunate what happened to Teddy Bridgewater early in his career, whether it was being pigeon-held into believing just because he was a darker-skinned quarterback that he should run the read damn option. Good job, uh, Norv Turner. Or having that horrific knee injury early in his career, which has derailed a lot of his future success. Came back, he's done a great job as a spot starter, and I think he's just at the point where his body and how it holds up combined with where we are in his career that he is going to be a career backup. But Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who does what a backup is supposed to do, especially for a short-range injury. He's going to right the ship. Guys are going to believe in Teddy Bridgewater because he's run those huddles before. He's won a lot of games, especially if he has a pretty talented team. Case in point, for my New Orleans Saints, when Drew Brees was down, he went 5-0 and as a starter and actually had a more efficient offense run than Drew Brees, but let's not even get into that. But that's what Teddy Bridgewater is at this stage. He is a backup quarterback. I can trust him to come in and do the job. The issue is he does seem to get hurt more often than he possibly should. And that is the unfortunate portion about Bridgewater. My number five guy is a guy who he started some games, but I'm going on talent here. And that's Trey Lance. Trey Lance is a guy who is two and two as a starter in the NFL or something like that, I believe. Um, he hasn't thrown that many passes in the NFL. I know that was a big talking point of, you know, why he shouldn't be taking number three, which I agreed. That should have been Justin Fields at three, but that's neither here nor there. Um, actually, he should have been two, but let's not remind Jets fans of how how interestingly that, that went. But no, with Trey Lance, he's a guy who I feel like he is an unfortunate individual. He's had injury, injury, issue, issue. I'm hoping that he's not injury prone and that he's just had bad luck to start his career. So if I was looking at backups off of talent specifically and possible upside, I look at Trey Lance as my starting quarterback out of the backups. He'd be my number five guy. My number four guys on the same roster. That's Sam Darnold. I never had an issue with Sam Darnold, unlike what people want to believe. My issue with Sam Darnold was never actually with Sam Darnold as a person at all. My issue was Sam Darnold profiled as Ryan Fitzpatrick coming out of college and it was ignored to the point where a guy who should have gone in the third round went number three. So the issue that I've had is just where he was positioned and also some of your favorite analysts out there who wanted to talk about him like he was Josh Allen physically when he is literally Ryan Fitzpatrick. Sam Darnold can play football. Sam Darnold is a spot starter. To me, Sam Darnold was a guy who if you brought him into a lower level team let's say this year it's the the Arizona Cardinals with the roster they have set up what was the Jacksonville Jaguars for a long time or even the Jets he's an effective starter for those teams if they just need a bridge or they can test out and see maybe we can get him right because that age allow for it now he's starting to get further along in that age to where now it's he's going to start getting pigeonholed into being considered a backup he's not there yet so I'm hoping that he can work his way into possibly showing that he can be a starter and San Francisco might be the place for him, considering the environment of Brock Purdy likely not being ready week, week one and Trey Lance still needing to prove he can play football in the NFL. So 
Sam Darnold, I know what I'm getting. It's pretty much a low-level starter, talent-wise, who's done it uh, quite a bit in the NFL. So that's my number four backup. Number three backup, started a playoff game last year. And that's Tyler Huntley for the Baltimore Ravens. Going to the season prior to anything, I thought he was going to end up being the starter because I didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to play a doggone down in the NFL this year without a new contract. Well, lucky for him and all the Baltimore Ravens fans, he got a deal done. Now Tyler Huntley is a backup. Snoop is a guy who is, to be honest, you want to hear the real? He's a lot like Sam Darnold. He should be a low-level or spot starter slash lower-level NFL starting quarterback. Tyler Huntley is one of those guys who should be able to hold on to a job of that ilk. Kind of like a David Garrard, if you want to think of that. Again, Sam Darnold is an example of that type of guy. A guy who is just good enough to be a starting quarterback, but he's not going to probably be your Uber franchise guy. So I trust Tyler Huntley because he's played quite a bit of football. He might not have the record to support him being the quote-unquote starter, but that team wasn't built for him. So I'm not too mad about it. Uh, And he went toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow last year until, you know, a mistake was made. Number two is a guy who plays on my favorite team. But he, uh, I think he, from the self-imposed portion of this to the bad luck portion of this, that's Jameis Winston, is probably never going to get the chance to start in the NFL again. He had a perfect chance and then someone decided to retire because I don't want to get into that personally, but I think he just was tired of being in New Orleans and wanted an excuse out and he used an excuse out. But... Uh, that was going to be a good marriage because Jameis Winston needed that guidance. Much like Peyton Manning needed the guidance of a guy like Jim Caldwell, you had, excuse me, you ended up having, um, you had Jameis Winston set up with Sean Payton. And it looked like it was starting to gel to some extent. He wasn't letting him do too much, but Jameis wasn't asking to do too much. And then the retirement. And then starting the season and getting injured. And then everything cascaded downhill from there last year. Now they have Derek Carr. So Jameis Winston, I know, can start in the NFL. Jameis Winston, whether you not whether or not you want to admit it, is a talented quarterback. Jameis Winston, whether or not you want to admit it, played better football than you might remember. Oh, he threw 30 interceptions. Completely valid. Also led the NFL in passing yards. Also came in second that year in passing touchdowns. But you conveniently forget about the 5,000 passing yards and the 33 touchdowns. Again, James Winston is one of those dudes who may not be your franchise guy, and he's probably missed the window of being that. But if I had to start one of the backups in the NFL right now, I'd have more comfort with starting Jameis Winston than any other backup quarterback in the entire NFL except for one guy. And that's a dude who should be the starter in D.C., and that's Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett did such a good job with Cleveland once he got his footing and they got comfortable with him that it was clear they should not have replaced him with Deshaun Watson, right? Anyone who watched football knew the only reason they replaced it with Deshaun Watson is because ownership said do it because that wasn't going to make your team better. Coaches generally, unless they don't pay any attention, and I'm going to think Kevin Stefanski is not a guy who ignores human the human, human element. Those coaches knew putting Deshaun Watson in there, they were probably done. And some people aren't going to agree with me. Because of their own affinity for Watson. I have an affinity for Watson in some respects too, but I also have a healthy understanding of 
Man, people in an organization like the NFL is just like dealing with people in an organization that's a corporation. There's some small differences. Obviously, some of the the way you talk to each other, there's going to be differences. But it's the same thing. Comfort over competency. Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback than Jacoby Brissett. But that relationship that Jacoby Brissett had developed with that with those teammates looked like a positive one that caused them to win games. And then they replaced with Deshaun Watson, who I don't care what you want to think. You're wrong. And the reason you're wrong is people are going to say, well, they wouldn't have had a problem with her or everyone had a problem with her. We don't know. We don't know. That's my point of you're wrong. I'm wrong, too. If I say, oh, well, some people might have. We don't know. We don't know if there was zero people that had an issue with what he did or what happened around him. There was, you know, everyone on the roster had an issue. We don't know what percentage. So that's why we're all wrong. But one thing we know is they were good going with Jacoby Brissett because that team looked like a playoff team. And I truly believe if they would have left Jacoby Brissett as a starter, the Browns would have been in the playoffs and probably made some noise in the AFC. Uh, that was a little overrated this past year. So those are all the backups. Again, just to recap, the eight, it'd be Gardner Menchu, then Will Levis, then Teddy Bridgewater, then Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, Tyler Huntley, Jameis Winston, and the best backup quarterback in the NFL is Jacoby Brissett. Now, I'm going to do the last two of these guys of the starters. Like I said, I'm going to break these up. I'm doing 10 this week. I'm going to do oh, 10 this show. I'm going to do 10 next show, 10 and 10. Until I get down to the best quarterback in the NFL. Spoiler alert, my number one is going to be Patrick Mahomes, but we can figure it out after that. Um, so number 32 and 31, all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. My number 32 starting quarterback in the NFL is Baker Mayfield. Now, anyone who's listened to me or knows me or has talked to me knows that I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan. I didn't like Baker Mayfield as an off-the-field product. Do I think he's a bad person? Nope. I don't know him from Adam. I don't think he's a bad person. I don't think anything like that. But Baker Mayfield reminded me a little bit too much of the guys that I don't prefer to associate with. The people who are unnecessarily entitled the people who are unnecessarily um who who lack accountability the people who uh just come off as inauthentic none of that is how i want to be so i don't want that type of person as an associate and that's why i'm not a baker mayfield fan now from the football perspective baker mayfield deserved to go in the first round maybe not number one but he deserved to go in the first round his tape said first round, his numbers said first round. The biggest issue that people have and why I thought number one was just interesting was usually a guy who is six feet tall is not picked number one. Back in 2018, that was not a thing. Uh, it was very, very, very rare. In fact, Kyler Murray came the following year. It wasn't like he came the year before. So, Baker Mayfield should have been a first round quarterback. In fact, you know, top 15. The issue that I had is Baker Mayfield went from being this guy who justified being number one, getting some wins in Cleveland, winning a playoff game against a division rival in the Steelers, then coming very close to beating the Chiefs. The issue that I have with Baker Mayfield as my starter this year is I don't know what Baker Mayfield is. See, 
a portion of doing anything is talent. You have to have the talent to be able to do it. But the other portion is the mental aspect of it. And here's what I've seen from Baker Mayfield over the last two years. And it reminds me of someone else who was drafted just two years prior to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield went from being this dude who would throw a ball in a tight window on a rope and they get right in there when he was in Cleveland to moving around and then being a starter. By the way, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, being a starter here. And so many people were like, you know, blah, blah. And we got Baker Mayfield. And even I kind of drank the Kool-Aid and said, you know what? If Baker Mayfield shows up and plays quarterback, this Panthers team can win the division. Which I still, if they had a quarterback that was competent consistently last year, the Panthers were the best team in the division last year. They were. Um, Well, Baker Mayfield showed up and he looked uncomfortable, unsure. He honestly looked like he'd never played football in a lot of situations, was on his toes, bouncing, scanning the whole field, which meant he didn't know what the hell was going on. Or he was uh, almost like gun shy. He had he had an issue with, with the field. He was not a quarterback. And then he went in in that first game and even the second one played really well for the Rams. And people were like, oh, maybe he's the next bridge. And they found themselves something. I think people were rooting for the draft status with Baker Mayfield because the tape the last year and a half has been atrocious. Then those practices we've seen clips of where he can't throw a, you know, a simple seam route. So Baker Mayfield's talent doesn't say he's the 32nd guy in the NFL, but Baker Mayfield's where the hell is he says, I trust him the least of any of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And he has a star because he is better at every step and every stage than Kyle Trask, period. And then number 31 is going to be Sam Howell. Really funny portion of this is Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield have a lot of uh, similarities. They even have a similar look sometimes when Baker grows the beard out and whatever. Sam Howell is more, to me, he's a Mitch Trubisky. He's a better runner than Baker Mayfield. Just a little bit bigger. Uh, Baker Mayfield has a stronger arm. Um, It's kind of like if you blended Mitch Trubisky and Baker Mayfield together, you get Sam Howell. Um, Problem is... They didn't give him adequate starts to actually see what he was last year. They gave him one. And they went into the season with a better quarterback on the roster, in my opinion, if you're trying to win games, Jacoby Brissett. But Sam Howell is the the starter. They should have had an open competition, in my opinion, to see what worked out better for him and see if Sam Howell could really step up. I don't know what Sam Howell is yet. I know that he deserved to go pretty much where he was drafted, third, fourth round in that range. Because his tape was really good that first year. And then the second year, it made it look like those receivers and running backs that were on his roster <laughs> the year prior were the reason he was good. So, yeah, I just don't have as much confidence as I have in the guys that are ahead of him to actually be productive and be my starting quarterback. Everything known, cards on the table, it's not injury concerns. It's not off the field issues. It's if I need him to be my starter. Day one for my team that has some hopes. Again, a New Orleans Saints level team. A pretty good but not great team. So there's expectations that they make the playoffs. I couldn't do it with Sam Howell. All right, folks. So those are the 10 quarterbacks that I wanted to talk about today. Um, Basically, we're going to get down to kind of the minutia of what separates a guy right in front from a guy right behind. Again, it's not going to end up being, you know, 
this quantitative stuff with, and he had two more touchdowns, and his interception touchdown interception ratio was here, and his uh, offensive efficiency when he's no, this is the feel of understanding a locker room, understanding how people feel about a scenario and being around players, making considerations of injuries, making considerations of age. And, and, you know, that playing the injuries, you know, a 45-year-old man, if he's playing quarterback, has a higher chance of getting hurt more likely than a 30-year-old quarterback. Simply because these work a little different in your 40s. Trust me on that one. But, yeah, that's how I'm going to do this list. That's how I'm going to go through it. We're going to do 31, uh, 30 to 30, uh, 30 to 21 on the next show. Sorry, apparently uh, saying words is very difficult for me right now. Um, so that's going to be the end of this first portion. Again, this is going to be however you want to stage it, 40 through 31, or the best eight backup quarterbacks in number 32 and 31 of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, this is Chris James signing off for the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast. Uh, you can follow me again anywhere you can locate me. It's at CJ Florida 9, at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out, the number nine. Take care, and I'll talk to you later. Bye bye.